Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. We are essentially halfway through the high school football season. Halftime of week five games will essentially be the midway point in the 2022 season. Always seems like it goes really fast, and, and it does. Uh, and we're going to talk about week five coming up today. Uh, some of the, the more interesting games. Um, we'll talk about you know where this is going to put us in terms of uh, that P word of playoffs. As uh, after this week, you know it'll be a, a bigger topic of conversation. But the bulk of our conversation and the bulk of our our, our topics today are going to involve the WIA area meetings that were uh, held earlier this week. Three of them around the state. I was at the one in Boston on Tuesday, or excuse me, on Wednesday. Uh, there will be continued area meetings. There's seven total coming up over the next couple weeks. But at that area meeting, there was a number of uh, items discussed. We're going to talk about some of those, including the most significant one, the most drastic change in how playoff qualification playoff classifications work since I don't even know when. Certainly since I've been covering high school sports in decades and decades, where we're talking about. Uh, you know, very significant changes to postseason uh, classification, how teams are assigned, assigned to playoff divisions. So we're going to get to that conversation in just a moment. But let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Once again, thank you to the Wisconsin Department of Transportation for sponsoring our WSN podcast. They also sponsor our postseason coverage here on WSN, so we'll get to that here soon, as we mentioned. But today on the WSN podcast, let's start with a little bit of a, a more condensed preview Excuse me, of week five of the high school football season. Then we'll transition into that conversation about the, uh, the area meeting that I was at and some of the topics coming out of that. The Quick Trip in Wisconsin Dairy Game of the Week. Maybe a little bit of a surprise to people, but New Berlin West at New Berlin East. Or excuse me, New Berlin Eisenhower, not New Berlin East. Uh, the New Berlin schools squaring off in this one. Uh, both teams undefeated. Maybe a little bit of a surprise that both are undefeated at this point, but they've looked pretty good. Um, they have not played Catholic Memorial in Pewaukee. It, it does not, this game doesn't have the cachet that last week's game did when it was two defending state champions. Um, but nonetheless, excellent starts for these two teams, uh, New Berlin West and New Berlin Eisenhower. And I'm looking forward to getting down. I, I've seen Eisenhower once or twice, including at the uh, state tournament when they were in the finals against Wanakee, 2012, 16, somewhere. I, I can't remember. They, they, so, they sometimes run together. But um, they made it to the state finals and lost to, uh, to Wanakee a few years back. New Berlin West have not seen them before, have never been to a game in New Berlin, so I'm looking forward to getting down there and again, uh, checking out uh, different different teams, different locations than what I've seen some some other times. I think the, the game that most people thought would win Game of the Week, uh, because it might be the, the biggest game of the year in the regular season in the state of Wisconsin, also down in the Milwaukee area is Muskego will travel to McGuanago. McGuanago is number one in Division One. Muskego is number three. I got a chance to see these teams last year in the regular season in the Quick Trip Game of the Week when Muskego won the regular season battle, 20-14. to 14. Great game. Probably 6,000 people there, they estimated. 
anticipating another huge crowd for this one. Uh, in the playoffs, though, last year, McGuanago got some uh, some revenge. They beat Muskego 35-14 in the playoffs, and it set the stage for uh, the success that they're continuing to have this year. Uh, of course, Winstang from McGuanago leading the state in rushing, just going crazy for the uh, for the Indians, uh, just running people over. Had uh, back in was it week two against Sun Prairie East, 470 yards, the second most in state history. Hasn't quite got there yet, but he's still averaging. I think he's still averaging 300 yards a game, which is incredible. So that's the 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 big one, um, you know, for a lot of people, but uh, did not win game of the week. There's a couple other games in the Milwaukee area that are pretty interesting. That includes Sussex Hamilton at Brookfield Central. Uh, Two teams uh, looking to battle it out in the Greater Metro Conference. Um, You know, I I think uh, they're they're two of the teams we thought would be at the top, but that that Greater Metro this year has been really difficult to, to predict, and there's been some teams that are down, like Germantown, Marquette, uh, Menominee Falls, just difficult to, to pick. But these two teams are off to pretty solid starts. Uh, Nate Collith from Sussex Hamilton, 21 total touchdowns. Brookfield Central has looked really, really good. Uh, but they haven't gotten to kind of that tougher part of their schedule yet, uh, although they do have a, a win over Pewaukee in the, uh, in the non-conference. Uh, so that's a big one down there as well. Um, Milwaukee King and Milwaukee Hamilton. You've got University School and Lake Country Lutheran. Uh, so some pretty good games in the Milwaukee area. In the Madison area, one of the games that we had as our uh, our nominee for Game of the Week is Lodi at Edgewood. Both teams undefeated. That Capital Conference is just amazing. I think you could almost pencil in a, uh, a game out of that league for Game of the Week nominee almost every week. And whoever wins this one still will have an unbeaten showdown, likely, with Columbus coming up later in the year that very well could be a nominee for Game of the Week. Um, and then really interesting ones in the Big 8 Conference, beginning with, uh, well, actually, this is not a Big 8 Conference game anymore, um, but the uh, the Sun Prairie Schools split and moved out of the Big 8, and now they're in the Badger, uh, Badger Large. The very first game between Sun Prairie West and Sun Prairie East. These kids went to school together, played together, are friends up until this year, were teammates. Um... You know, there's some members of the coaching staff that went over to Sun Prairie West. Most of the coaching staff stayed at Sun Prairie East. We have not seen a school split in Wisconsin in quite some time. You have to go back to when Kenosha Trail, Kenosha Indian Trail, entered the fray about a decade ago and uh, opened a third school in Kenosha, splitting from Bradford and Tremper. And uh, otherwise, just doesn't happen very often. So. A really historic game between Sun Prairie West and Sun Prairie East. West has a little bit better record. They're 3-1, but they did lose to uh, a Milton team that had not won a game yet last week. West's schedule has really been uh, pretty weak so far. Sun Prairie East, on the other hand, has played a very difficult schedule. Uh, They have uh, two losses to the top-ranked team in Division I, McGuanago, and to the top-ranked team in Division II, Wanakee. So the schedules certainly are not equal between those two teams. Um, but uh, again, going to be a great one there at Bank of Sun Prairie Stadium in Sun Prairie. In the Big 8 Conference, though, Madison Memorial has kind of uh, you know risen as one of the favorites in the Big 8. They take on Middleton, who's smarting a little bit. They got beat by Verona last week. 
Speaking of Verona, they travel to Janesville Parker, who has shown some pretty good improvement this year, especially behind J.J. Douglas, the dynamic athlete that they line up in, in a number of different spots around the field. Uh, so a couple big, big eight games there. In the Fox Valley area, you've got Appleton North at Nina. Nina remains undefeated and is uh, looking to keep that going. In the FRCC, we have uh, West Bend, or excuse me, West Appear at Pulaski in the FRCC North. Uh, a couple games in the Northeastern Conference, including one of the games that was a Game of the Week nominee, Fright, uh, Freedom and Wrightstown squaring off. I guess the combination of those would be Fright Tanin. Um, but uh, that's a pretty good rivalry in the Northeastern Conference. Uh, also, Luxembourg Casco is at Little Shoot. Some more rivalry games. You got Berlin and uh, Plymouth squaring off. Two Rivers and Keel. That's a pretty significant rivalry. Two Rivers is undefeated. Uh, we'll see, but looking like the class of the Eastern Wisconsin Conference right now. Small school game, another great one featuring Edgar. They've had some really good games this year as they will take on Colby, the defending Division Six state champions who are uh, look like they will move up to Division Five. They're ranked fifth in the latest Division Five coaches poll. Um, Edgar is the uh, actually has ascended now in the latest uh, rankings to the top spot, just edged out Regis for the top spot in Division Seven. Uh, combined for eleven state titles, these two teams have eighteen appearances in a state championship game. So great small school game there in Central Wisconsin. The Mrs. Or excuse me, the Wisconsin Valley Conference. Actually, it's not the Wisconsin Valley, but it's featuring Wisconsin, old Wisconsin Valley teams, the Valley Football Association. A couple good ones, Marshfield at Wausau West, Stevens Point at D.C. Everest. In the uh, western part of the state, a couple good games in the Big Eight, or excuse me, the Big Rivers Conference, which continues to be highly, highly competitive. Menominee is at Hudson, Eau Claire North, who's coming off ending a 46-game conference losing streak. They play at Chippewa Falls. You've also got Northwestern at Cameron up in that area. Regis is at Durand, Arkansas. Augusta at Pepin Alma. So those are some of the noteworthy games in week five of the high school football season. And again, once this week's done, we're over halfway through the regular season. Just to give a little tease as well, that means that we'll be releasing semifinalists for our WSN Senior Football Awards next week. Um, we'll also start you know, talking a little bit uh, about the uh, the playoffs and with some of these teams now having three conference wins, they're getting very close to clinching a playoff spot. So we'll start to have some um, some playoff eligibility reports coming out soon and, uh, and, and moving into that end of the season where we, we focus a lot on the playoffs, of course, but we also start to, uh, to really narrow in on some of those conference races. Who's the leaders? What are some big games left on the schedule? Just, uh, just a great time of the year as we get towards the end of the high school football season. Again, let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, let's move on and let's talk about that area meeting uh, that I was at earlier this week at Mauston High School uh, again, one of seven that are held around the state. Three were held this week. Three will be held next week. And then one at Mount Horeb, September, uh, what is that, 26th, whatever the Monday uh, is of that week. 
Um, so again, seven meetings held around the state where the WI staff gets out on the road. They get a chance to, to meet with and interact with the schools and the administrators and athletic directors around the state of Wisconsin. They get a chance to update the, uh, the members on what's going on, what things are on the horizon, what um, you know, things that we need to talk about, get feedback from those members. The members get a chance to provide their feedback and provide things that, that they're seeing. So it's a good opportunity for some collaborative uh, work between the WIAA and the member schools. As mentioned, there's a significant proposal that was introduced at these area meetings that we're going to get to in just a second that would change how teams are placed in classes and divisions for postseason play. Before we get to that, though, I do want to talk about some of the um, the other items that were on the agenda and other discussions that were held, because certainly some of them are... Uh, you know, fairly significant. Um, One of them was an update on the continued work uh, to look at the possibility of sanctioning lacrosse as a WIAA sport. That was a request officially that came through from some schools in southeast Wisconsin. Uh, Mainly, I think the uh, Classic 8 Conference kind of initiated that. Um, So uh, they've been working on it. There's been a committee working on it. The it's been a little bit slow recently because they've had some conversations around how to work co-ops into the mix, um, but it's it's close. They're they're close to having an official proposal that would include, you know, season regulations, the number of games played, um, tournament regulations, how the tournament will be, uh, you know, split up and, and assigned. All that stuff had to be worked out and figured out in addition to some of the playing rules, which would come from the NFHS, but if there's any adaptations, state adaptations that would apply. So uh, they provided some updates that you know things are on track. They expect to have an official proposal soon with an eye towards implementing boys and girls lacrosse as new spring sports in the spring of 2024. Uh, Executive Director Stephanie Hauser also uh, indicated that uh, there are a group of schools that may pursue a petition option to get a a constitutional amendment on the agenda for the next annual meeting in April that would address coaching contact days during the school year outside of a sports season. So as an example of what that could be, it could be spring football practices. It could be... um, and I'm not sure if this is a a uh, unrestricted school contact where school resources can be used or if it's just coaches working with players out of the season during the school year. Uh, un- unsure exactly what it would be, but she just gave an update that, you know, that, that could be on the horizon. There are some people that would like to see more coaching contact uh, for students. Um, at the meeting I was at, the response was pretty negative towards that. The, the schools that were represented by division or excuse me district three include a number in the western part of the state many of them small and rural where they're concerned about the effect that would have on multi-sport athletes if you have a basketball coach that wants to run practices all year or f- for whatever time frame this might involve how would that impact your baseball team in the spring how would it how, you know how would all of these things work it's already a challenge to make some of these work, and you have to rely on multi-sport athletes at the smaller schools much more than you do at the uh, larger schools that may be uh, interested in this. 
There was also discussion and actually breakout sessions on spring start dates and the challenges that that everybody has with spring sports right now where they start early and if the weather's bad it can really cause problems of cancellations and pushing games into the later part of the year and playing a lot of games in a short amount of time. Uh, the WIA, you know, just kind of went over the the reality of uh, you know where they're at right now. With they have contracts with venues and dates locked in, um, but you know they're also sensitive to the fact that uh, if you push the season back and you push, let's say, the state tournament into uh, late June, as we we saw a couple years ago in the COVID adjusted year, um, you know the impacts that could have with some students potentially choosing club sports over WIAA sports. In fact, uh, WIA Associate Director Mel Dow said that of the teams that qualified for the baseball state tournament this year, six players from those teams withdrew because they decided they had to go play club baseball or their club baseball teams were telling them they needed to go play club baseball. So there's no perfect answers. And, and there was a lot of you know, here's the challenges we face now. Here's the challenges we would face if the season was pushed back. They also talked about challenges of getting officials later in the, in the summer. A lot of officials move on and work club sports games where they can make more money in a shorter amount of time. Um, so there's there's a lot of, uh, you know, challenges. And you also have seniors that maybe don't want to come back and play for a month or a month and a half after they've graduated and, and keeping them engaged and involved. Uh, so again, no perfect solution, but uh, lots of conversation. The WIAA also talked about name, image, and likeness, uh, you know, language and, and whether that should be added, whether it's something that the WIAA should be looking at. Of the members that were at that meeting on Tuesday, or uh, on Wednesday, excuse me, I'm getting my days mixed up, um, but at the Mostyn meeting, which is again, mostly rural, smaller schools, uh, they did not favor adding the, the NIL language, which is the opposite, the WIA indicated, of their meeting the day before, which was down in the Milwaukee area, where those schools, again, larger schools, most of them, were more in favor of adding name, image, and likeness. And it's a continued topic, obviously, around the, the country, not only in high school athletics, where I think it's around 15 or 16 that have some kind of name, image, and likeness uh, regulation now, um, with more looking at it, uh, not only at high school, but also at the college level where, you know, a couple of years ago or whatever it was, uh, the NCAA just kind of threw their hands up and said, well, whatever you want to do. And now you see all these situations where, you know, donors are paying millions of dollars to players legally, as opposed to illegally, like it used to be. Um, and the, the NIL has really morphed from what it was intended to do to now where it's, uh, you know, collectives uh, fundraising to, to pay students and and it's, it's not what it was meant to be. But anyways, uh, name, image, and likeness is going to be a continued discussion, uh, not only in, in Wisconsin, but around the country. Student eligibility issues were addressed. Uh, Mel Dow indicated that there's been already this year 26 student athletes that have had their uh, eligibility impacted because of amateur status violations with uh, some some companies in uh, trying to, uh, he used the term exploit student athletes to support their brands. Um, all of those athletes have had their eligibility restored through a, a, re a re restorative process. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that there are, uh, you know, 
some companies and brands and people out there that either are not aware of WI rules or sometimes they're you know not even companies based in Wisconsin. They're just trying to send send stuff out to kids all the time to get them to promote products. Uh, I think it was maybe it was Stephanie Hauser, the executive director, had had kind of chimed in and said, "How many of you here have had one of your athletes contacted by a company trying to promote?" their company to get the student athlete to promote their company and nobody raised their hand. And she said, every one of you have, you just don't know about it because they're not contacting the school. They're not contact the, the, the businesses are not and brands are not contacting the school, the coaches, they're going directly for the student athletes on social media, sending DMS, asking for stuff. And, uh, it's, it's a continued, uh, you know, issue. Um, which again ties back in with that name, image, and likeness discussion. There was also discussion of possible ex- expansion of the football playoffs. There was a member survey of ADs done within the last year that showed 55% actually support remaining the same right now. There was 17% that supported some kind of pod type option for teams who do not qualify for the playoffs. The the WI was clear they're not looking to change the current 224-team structure for the 11-player football playoffs. They're not looking to do that. What they're trying to do is find ways for teams that do not make the playoffs to see if they're interested in continuing to play in some fashion. So, again, a pod-type system where you might take four teams that miss the playoffs and put them in a pod, kind of like we did in the COVID year of 2020 fall, um, and and they would play some games together. They also uh, pulled those athletic directors on the possibility and feasibility and interest of a, let's call it an NIT type tournament for non-playoff qualifiers. Uh, 15% supported that. And and surprisingly, 11% favored all play for football, which I just can't understand and can't get behind, but you know, it is what it is. It's not going to happen anyways. Um, so they're, they're looking to expand the, the options for non-playoff qualifiers. And as I posted on Twitter before and as I've discussed before, I'm just not sure if that's going to take hold. Already, teams have the option that don't make the playoffs to continue to play. They can play an extra game and get some extra work for their players. And of the 100 and, what is it, 150 teams that don't make the playoffs, there's about three games a year of teams that actually take advantage of that. So I just, I just don't see the interest there for some of these uh, additional options, um, but we'll see. Uh, they're, they're continuing to talk about it. Um, they're going to get some uh, feedback also from the WFCA and, and involvement there, feedback from the coaches to see if they're interested and in, in move forward from there if, if there's anything that, that might change. Uh, the WI also talked about uh, middle school it, uh, involvement in the association right now. I think they're up to 514 roughly high schools that are members of the state association, the WIAA, but only 45 middle schools that are members of the WIAA. So they talked about why that is, why more people are not involved as middle school members, if they're interested in being involved, and also if there would be interest in the WIAA sponsoring state tournaments at the middle school level, which there's already like 10 middle school state tournaments of different kinds for club teams, school teams, what have you. Um, so there didn't seem to be a lot of interest in that, but we'll see if, uh, if that's something that the WI continues to look at if the membership uh, requests that. <clears throat> They're also close to, uh, to announcing some 
possible changes in options for new venues for the boys and girls hockey state tournaments, which have been at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison since 1980. Um, but there's a lot of complaints about that facility. The Badgers no longer play there, have not for many years, obviously, with the, the addition of the Kohl Center. Uh, so that that facility is not really kept up as well as it, it has been. Um, there's a lot of complaints all the time about the ice uh, surface itself. Um, so they're, they're looking at some different options. The, the challenge, obviously, is what are the other options? I don't know you know, what it'll be. There, there could be some new information announced as late as, as early as this week. In fact, there's a board of control meeting tomorrow where that is on the agenda and they might be announcing it then. Um, but I, I don't think they'll be able to do the coal center. You know, I don't know what other facilities there are. The Laban is an option, but I don't know dates and whatever. I don't know if that's big enough for all of the sessions. I, I, I mean, I don't know that they will get Fiserv. Maybe they are. I, I don't know, but we will find out some more information coming up here soon. Finally, uh, Stephanie Hauser, the executive director of the WIAA, did tease a little bit the football playoff reveal show that will be coming this year. The WIAA is working with uh, production companies and broadcast partners on distribution for that. Nothing official on that yet, but one thing I can tell you is that um, they have requested that, uh, that I be involved in that show in some capacity. So having some conversations with the WIAA about, uh, about being involved in that. Um, seeing if that's something that, that we want to do, uh, depending on you know what they want <laughs> what they want my involvement to be and what that would mean for uh, you know what we do and what I usually do on that final night and, and weekend of the regular season. So I hope to have some more information soon um, to, to pass on for that, but uh, but we'll see. So let's get to the big ticket item, and that is that uh, the the adjustments to the playoff classification. Now let's take a step back and, and talk about what this is and what it's coming from. This, uh, this proposal is coming out of the Competitive Balance Ad Hoc Committee, which is a committee that was formed almost a year ago and since then has been studying, discussing, gathering data, doing research on competitive balance. It's a conversation continuing from the competitive equity public-private, rural-urban type discussions that have gone on really since the WISA schools joined the WIAA back in 2000. Of course, it, it boiled over back in 2014 when there was a group of schools that uh, did a petition and got on the agenda at the annual meeting an amendment that would have applied a private school multiplier of 1.65 on the enrollment of all private schools. Very contentious meeting that year. Ultimately, they voted to delay that multiplier, send it to further study. There was an ad hoc committee created back then that studied it for a number of months. They recommended a success factor that uh, ends up being reused in this new plan um, that would have used the points accumulated based on state tournament success to determine if you moved up a division, would have applied equally for all public and private schools. Um, 2015 annual meeting, the schools uh, voted to instead uh, consider the multiplier again. That was re that was rejected. They uh, had done a petition to get a free and reduced lunch uh, reducer on. That was rejected. And then the next year, because it never actually came up for vote, they uh, the WI did bring forward the success factor as an option, and it actually had the closest vote of any of the proposals, which was 221 uh, against 
198 in favor, which was a much closer margin than the multiplier or the reducer. So a little bit of uh, Cliff Notes history of this conversation uh, that gets us to where we are today, where again, last year, that competitive balance ad hoc committee was uh, created with uh, the task of identifying what the issues were, working through possible solutions. So let's walk through what this actually is. It's kind of a two-pronged attack, if you will. Um, The first part of it is a tournament performance factor, which is exactly the same as the success factor that was introduced back in 2015, actually. Points are awarded at the team level, not at school, but on individual sport teams, uh, based on your finish in the state tournament series. You get four points if you're a state champion, three points if you're the state runner-up, two points if you make it to the state semifinals or the final four, and then one point if you advance to the state quarterfinals um, or a sectional final or level three for uh, 11-player football, whatever the final eight teams would be classified or, or, or called. Um, so four, three, two, one. If you accumulate six or more points in, a, in the previous three years, whether you're public or private, you would be moved up one division from your normal postseason classification. So let's say I win a state championship. Uh, the next year, that's four points. The next year, I make it to the state semifinals. That's two points. Now I've got six points. In the following year, I get moved up a division. You would stay up in a division until which time your point total goes below six points for the previous three years. It's, it's a rolling total, your, your three-year previous total. Um, in the article that we did, the, the WIA had an example laid out that, that we spelled out. Um, you know, Again, what the success factor is looking to do is instead of dealing with all of the things that go into being successful and the challenges of identifying that and the, let's be honest, the... Uh, you know, the controversy of what makes a school successful, rather than trying to identify all those things and address those, it just addresses the outcome, which is, are you successful over a period of time? And if you are, then you get moved up. Um, there would be a appeals process in place. So if, if you accumulated six points and were going to get moved up, you could appeal to a 15-member to-be-determined classification committee based on factors that would include um, essentially, you know, the, the, whether your, your star athletes are still there, your school's socioeconomic population, the demographics, geography, competitive history, your enrollment trends, your participation rate, open enrollment numbers, some of those kinds of factors could be considered if you were to appeal to go back down. Um, So again, that is the tournament performance factor, points-based, that would uh, move you up a division, private or public, based on how you do in the state tournament. Before we move on to the second phase of that, just a a couple comments, uh, editorial comments on that from from my perspective, and also that I've, I've talked to a number of coaches, athletic directors, school administrators, uh, and other people about that you know, have concerns with, with the success factor as it is. Personally, I think 
I think a success factor isn't a bad way to go about it because instead, again, of addressing and, and trying to identify all these little things that add up to being successful, whether it's public-private situation, whether it's your free and reduced lunch number, whether it's your socioeconomics, whether it's length of you know consistency of your coaching staff, whatever it might be, just look at the outcome. So I like that concept. It takes some of those other things out of play and, and simplifies it a little bit. Personally, I wouldn't mind, in fact, I would probably support looking at the success of a program over a little bit longer period. Three years and getting six points in three years could be one really good class coming through your school. And if you maybe weren't very successful before, you get a really good class that leads you to a state championship and then a state tournament appearance and then you don't have much talent after that, well, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're in a tough situation. And, and some people, you know, use the terminology of punishing success or punishing future players for past players' success. And I understand that, that idea, that concept. Um, but I think if you lengthened that, that uh, window that you look at from three years to maybe five, now you're talking about program dominance instead of maybe the dominance of one class or even one athlete that might just have led you where you otherwise would not be and will not be again, at least anytime soon. So if you look at five years, I mean, that's multiple classes. That's one group of students going all the way through high school, uh, you know, from freshman through high school and then and then being gone. And now again, you're looking at program dominance instead of just a, a, a smaller sample. Obviously, you would have to adjust the point. Um, you, could, you could leave the point assignments the same, but you would adjust the, the point threshold from six to, I don't know what it would be, eight. I, I don't know. We That's, you know, it's just a math problem. But uh, I think that would, to me, that would make more sense, looking at it over a longer time period where now you're saying, okay, this program really is dominant, really is successful over multiple years, multiple generations of players. Um, and I think that might might get more support even. I, I don't know. So that is the tournament performance factor. The other part of the proposal from the Competitive Balance Ad Hoc Committee uh, was maybe even more significant because it drastically changes how classification works for all schools, not just the best of the best that this tournament success factor might apply to, because what it would do is it would essentially allow, excuse me, allow every school for every sport individually and separately to request what division they would like to be in. You're kind of self-identifying in a way uh, what your program is you feel. Uh, again, it's done individually at each sport. So if you are really good in one sport and struggle in another, in theory, you could request, you know, to be in division three for boys basketball and division four for girls basketball in, in theory. Um, these are requests. They're not, you know, necessarily granted, but it would be a request. It would go as of right now within this plan, it would go to the WIAA staff. Uh, so each Staff member in charge of each sport would have to review all the requests and deny or approve. Your rationale would have to include why you think you should be in that particular class or division. Um, and it's the same 
uh, rationale as we kind of outlined in the appeal process for the tournament performance of actor. It is your, you know, the phrasing they used was prior year out of building student percentage on rosters or, or historical movement of student athletes. Essentially, uh, you know, is, is your team, did your team lose all your studs from last year? Your socioeconomics of your school population, the demographics, the competitive history, geography, school enrollment trend, student participation rate, and other factors. Uh, you could request up or down, by the way. Um, the uh, There have been a few teams that have requested up. It's not very common, but there have been some. Last year, in fact, in boys basketball, I believe it was Tosa East, Brookfield Central, and West Dallas Central all requested up from Division Two to Division One. I could count on two hands the number of teams that have ever requested up, even though it's been available in almost every sport except for football. Um, so you could go up or down. And again, it would go to the WIA staff to consider. Um, so just to kind of outline the process, because again, there's multiple layers and multiple pieces to it. So number one, they would collect enrollments just like they do now. Enrollments are still a big part of the, the conversation. Um, then requests would go to the WIA staff up or down what division you think you should be placed in. And it's interesting to note, they don't, they will not do a preliminary release on what division you would be assigned to once they collect enrollments. They, they will not do that. So you are kind of flying blind. If, if you think you should be in division three and you don't know if you were going to end up in division three or four, well, you have to request before that kind of standard or de facto uh, assignment would have come out. So you request for placement, up or down. The tournament performance factor would be applied. And then the divisional placements would be released based on all of that requests and movement and everything else. Then schools that were moved up can appeal to the classification committee. Uh, the classification committee would then consider the appeals, and then the division placement would be finalized. So for all sports except for football, this would probably be a you know a several week process where you would have to apply in this certain window. The uh, the staff would have a window to look at it, then you would release it, then you would have a window for appeals, and then you would have the appeals happen. I mean, this might be a month long process from the time that you have to request what division you'll be in to when it is fully finalized. For football, it is a little different, though, because everything in football is compacted. Not every team makes the playoffs. The division, uh, the divisions in the playoff field are not determined until the end of the regular season. It's a very short turnaround. For football only, you would not be able to request placement. There would be no self-identification. They would use enrollment uh, as the standardized you know, part of divisions. They would still apply and consider the tournament performance factor. So if you accumulated six points, if you're Catholic Memorial and you got six points, well, they would have gotten actually eight or 12 um, in, in the last three years. Once the playoffs are determined, you would actually be moved up, and then obviously somebody else would have to be moved down into uh, into a different division. So that's the other part of it is some of this movement does create other, you know, movement. Um, 
if you, you know, if you appeal, if you're, if you're a basketball team, let's say appeals down, well, that creates other situations for other teams. But in football, again, only the tournament performance factor would be applied and there would still be an opportunity to appeal. I assume that appeal would have to be made, heard, and decided within a matter of hours because if the tournament playoffs and everything are released on Saturday after the regular season, teams need to know who they're playing. And you can't really do that until all of that is done. And, and so it probably all needs to be done, handled, decided by Saturday night so everybody can move on because there's other, again, other teams involved in other uh, matchups that could be affected. If I appeal and successfully appeal back down, well, then somebody else has to go back up and that changes potentially the, uh, the entire groupings, all of the seeds, all of the matchups, everything. So I, I could see it, especially in football, being a little bit messy, how it would work. Um, so again, you would have the tournament performance factor and you would have the school request process that are both completely new, completely different from how things are handled right now, where it's just enrollment and then it's just a matter of by each sport, you know, how many divisions there are and how those divisions are split. So it really is a, a drastic significant change in how division assignments are are done. Um, the timeline that the WIAA laid out this month, they're at the area meetings, introducing this idea, discussing it, getting feedback. After those area meetings are complete from October until January, the ad hoc committee will review that feedback. They'll meet, discuss, and provide any modifications if there are any. So that by the February 1st, 2023, WIAA Board of Control meeting, the committee would present a finalized proposal to the Board of Control. If the Board of Control voted to advance it to the annual meeting, they would have that authority to approve or deny. Um, if they approve it, then the committee will do some engagement sessions with the members. They it, it may be kind of some de facto area meetings around the state to uh, to answer questions and provide additional uh, information. It could be a series of Zoom meetings. It could be, you know, content and, and things sent out to the members to help them understand what the proposal is and, and the impact of it. And then in April next year at the annual meeting, again, if the Board of Control approves the advancement, the member schools would vote on the actual implementation. It would require a simple majority at the annual meeting to be advanced and approved officially. If it is approved officially, it would be implemented in the 24-25 school year. So it's still a couple years out no matter what happens. Um, so that is the process. That is how it works as introduced. That is the timeline that they are looking at and talking about. And... Uh, Again, it's it's a lot to unpack. It is, I think, a little a little complicated. It, it's you know people are still trying to wrap their head around it. Um, there's still some challenges, especially I could see with football with the tournament factor. As I said, the the reduced time frame that you have to make all those changes um, with the with the uh, school request for classification. You know, who's to say that every school isn't going to re opt or request to go down? I mean, if you have that ability, 
even if let's say a hundred schools in, in basketball opt to, or, or request to go down, you know, that's a lot to review. That's a lot of information to have to go over and things to have to approve for the WIA staff. Um, if I am a school and my boys basketball team has lost to the same team two or three years in a row, and I know I'm going to be matched up with them likely again, even though I don't know the groupings yet, but I know that that school 10 miles away from me is going to be with me like they have been for 50 years. What's to say that I won't look at that and use that as the justification for me to move down? And even though I won't say it in my request, I might I might say, you know, well, my my student, my free and reduced lunch rate is pretty high and, you know, my enrollment is going down and my participation rate's not great. I might find some of those criteria that that the WI staff could use and, and maybe lean on those um, and kind of hide my true intentions of, of why I'm wanting to, to move down. And, you know, for lack of a better word, I, I could see some manipulation with that process. Again, you might get a lot of requests for the staff to review and and they'll do their best to, to look at it, but, you know, why not request it just in case they approve it? So I could see some... I could see some challenges with it, and I, I, I feel, I, I told this to a couple of the WI staff members yesterday, I feel for them if they would have to be the ones to do this, because it's already a, you know, a, a contentious topic, and I think back to when Deb Hauser was the only person at, in, you know, on the WI staff in charge of conference realignment, and the the vitriol that she took, and, and you know, Everything was on her, and now you're asking, you know, the staff member that's in charge of a certain sport. Now you're asking, you know, Kate Peterson Abiad, who's in charge of basketball now. She's the one that has to approve or deny your request to move up or down a division. Um, you know, it, it's going to create, I, I think, some some ill will, and, and that's a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to put on one person to be the one to to deal with all of that. Um, again, it, it, if you're denied, you can appeal to the classification committee, but uh, it, it puts a lot on the shoulders of the WIA staff, and it puts a lot of the pressure on the WIAA back on their shoulders. The WIA, in a lot of people's minds, is is the boogeyman that you know it's a nameless, faceless entity in an ivory tower somewhere off in the distance. In Stevens Point, um, it's not people. It's not people making decisions based on the best information they have and, and doing the best for. For high school sports, it's just it's an easy target, the WIAA, and now this is I think going to to increase the the, the pressure on that. So uh, again, some definitely some challenges. It's an interesting, new, different concept. Uh, personally, myself, I'm still wrapping my head around what it is, how it could work, why it could work, why it couldn't work, the pros, the cons, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, it's it's. It's still, still working through all of it. Um, it's probably, honestly, not the plan that I would go with. Personally, if I was in charge of it and had a magic wand, it's not not the direction I would go. At least, not the request part of it. This the tournament and uh, performance factor. Again, I could get behind that uh, with some tweaks, uh, hopefully. Um, but we'll see. Again, still still working through how it could all work. And I mean, it is one of those things you don't know until you try it. You don't know if you're going to get 
200 requests in basketball to move down. You don't know if you're going to get half of the soccer teams or volleyball teams wanting to move down. You don't know if you're going to get five that request to move down. That's a, a palatable number that you can address and work through. Uh, so there are some unknowns with it. Um, but again, it's something that the WIA is continuing to gather information on, gather uh, discussion and feedback for through this area meeting process, and then they'll work through the, uh, the, the rest of that timeline, the rest of that process with possible up or down vote at the annual meeting in April of 2023. You can find all of that breakdown on wisports.net. It's I tried to go through it the best I could, but it certainly helps to see it laid out on paper or on your screen, as it were, uh, of the process, the point system for the tournament factor, um, you know, the request process and the timeline and, and everything involved with it. So you can check that out at wisports.net. As always, wisports.net should be your home for all that is high school sports in the state of Wisconsin. We've got our, uh, our our content up for this week in uh, in you know football with our coaches poll that's out, our game of the week nominees. We've got our quick our uh, our player, our jolly good player of the week, our team of the week polls. We've got our eight player weekly preview. We've got our uh, all of our information out for football. We'll have our our uh, preview coming out very soon as well. Uh, you can find scores and information, of course. You can find. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff on wisports.net, not just for football, but we also have results and standings and schedules for some of the other fall sports as well. Boys and girls volleyball, boys soccer um, included as well. And as we get closer to October, that means that we'll start getting more and more into preparations for the upcoming winter sports season, specifically basketball. Norbert Durst, Mark Miller, starting to crank out some preseason content. Speaking of uh, basketball, you can find some recaps and information from our recently completed WSN Basketball Showcase held at Kettle Moraine last weekend. You can find that on wissports.net, so make sure you check that out as well. Week five of the high school football season, it's here. We're, we're into it. We're essentially halfway through the regular season, and, uh, and it's going to be a good one. I'm going to be heading to New Berlin for West and Eisenhower. Looking forward to that trip for the Quick Trip in Wisconsin Dairy Game of the Week. Hey, let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Of course, make sure you follow along on Football Friday Nights. Follow me at TravisWSN. Follow our, uh, our scores account for football at FootballWSN. All final scores right into your Twitter feed as they come available. Of course, we'll get into uh, box scores and weekly leaders and all that good stuff after the games uh, coming up over the next couple days. If you're at a game, make sure you use the WISFB hashtag to provide updates, score updates, uh, You know what's going on with the games. We'll have our uh, WISFB F, WIS bingo card out tomorrow as well. You can play, al play along with that. That's always fun. So, yeah, week five, high school football, halfway home, essentially. We've got some big news in the uh, basketball and in all other sports world with the uh, proposal from the Competitive Balance Ad Hoc Committee. So a lot going on in high school sports. We're glad that you follow along and that you're uh, along for the ride here at WISSports.net. You know what? Let's uh, let's wrap things up here for today. 
This has been a WSN podcast. I'm Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.